And when you begin to hear how God's doing it in someone else's life, it allows your faith to come to a place that God can do it in mine. And that's what I want you to take away from, from a time when we have testimonies. Many of you doubt it. I just, I just don't know. Maybe God don't see me. Maybe you don't hear my... I just, I, I just don't know. Where is he at? But, but I need your faith to increase. I need your faith to grow. I need you to trust God at a, at a new... This is where you've been trusting him, and I need you to trust him here. See, this is the season that we're in. We're in this bold message series. Bold is this, this confidence... That you believe God is about to come through. God's going to do it. And this is what he's doing in each and every one of us. This morning, we're going to continue on with the series. And we're going to share one of the, I believe, one of the most important messages of the series. And the title of today's message is The Legacy of Bold Faith. And our central passage, many of you know, and if you haven't heard it, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, since we, since we have such a hope, we are very bold, very bold. We are very bold. See, being bold on your own, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. Maybe it's how you raise or come. No, 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 I'm not talking. I'm, since we have such hope, I can step into a confidence that, hey, God's about to do it. That's what this has been about. Let's take a moment to pray and we'll jump into, into part five today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Waking us up, the alarm clock went off, we have breath in our lungs, we made it here to church, and God, we need to hear from you. Speak to us, God. Sometimes we need to be reminded, God, as if we're the only person in the room. Minister to our hearts. Bring direction and wisdom and insight, healing, and even conviction, Lord. Challenge. Help us, God. Work in each and every one of us, Lord. We need you. We need you, Jesus. Amen. What would you say, would you say there's a difference between admiring someone or being jealous of someone? There's a difference, right? One is admiring, one's being jealous, right? To be jealous is almost to, to envy someone, to, to hate or dislike. I can't believe they got that. Why don't I have that? I deserve that, don't I? Right, I deserve that, that thing, that house, that, I deserve that relationship, I deserve that peace of mind, I deserve my family to be this way. Uh, why do they got that and I don't have that? And therefore, I'm jealous of what they have. But see, admiration is a little bit different. I admire what they have. I see that and I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool that they got that. Hashtag goals, goals. I'd like to see that happen in my life. If I can have that, that'd be great. I'd like to work. Let me put it on the list, and that's something I'd like to work for. I appreciate that they got it, and it simply tells me that if they can get it, I can get it too. Admiration. Being able to admire. You see, when I first came to know the Lord, I was 18 years old, and I've shared this story with some of you. And I knew some things about God, but I didn't really know how to live it out, how to walk it out. And during that time of my life, I remember I, remember I had goals. I had come to know the Lord. All of a sudden, my goals changed a little bit, but I remember I, I, I had goals, and I wrote them down, and I remember one of my goals was I, I, wanted, to, I, wanted, to, I wanted to get married, and I wanted to have a family one day, and maybe that came from my upbringing and, and what I saw in my home, but I, I, I wanted to have a godly wife, and I remember setting goals as I came to faith in Jesus, and I said, one day I want to have children, and I want to teach them the ways of Christ from an early age. 
and, and, and I want to raise them in that, and I want them to understand that, and I want them to grow in that. I remember there was a pastor at that time, I was a young adult, and he invited all the young adults over to his house and let us hang out, and we were just kind of learning and seeing how he was doing life and that kind of thing, and, and that was really wonderful. And then on another occasion, Everybody else didn't go, but he just invited me to come over and have dinner with him and his family. And so we were sitting down at the table, and the table was nice and was set up, and everything was ready to go. And then he turned over to me and said, hey, do you want to bless the food? And I was really a new Christian at that time. I didn't know what I was going to pray. I, I, me? You want me to pray? You want to pray? Uh, uh. And I just told myself, he asked me, so I'm going to do it. Right? You ever been there? He just asked me, so I'm going to do it. And so I prayed, and I prayed and blessed the food. Afterwards, he talked to me and said, hey, we could work on that prayer, and you know, we could, how that's supposed to go. And that, that was okay. See, but what was happening? What was, what was he doing? He was giving me the courage and faith that one day I can lead a godly home. He was, he was giving me a picture, and sometimes all we need is a picture. Sometimes we just need an image of what it looks like. Sometimes we just need a vision. I hate having to build something and it just comes with instructions and no pictures. I, I'm like, can I get a YouTube video, a link to somewhere? I, I need to be able to see it because if I can see it, I can run with it. If I see what it's supposed to look like, then I, 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 I feel very confident that I can do something about that. If I have an image of it, there's a prophet in the Old Testament, his name is Habakkuk. In chapter 2, verse 2, he's having a conversation with him and God, and they're talking and going back and forth. And then the Lord answers him and tells him, and tells him this here. He says this, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he who runs, so he, so he may run who reads it. So we write the vision down. So we make it clear. If I just give somebody instructions, hey, this is what I'd like you to do, go ahead and do it. Maybe there's some people who learn that way, but there's a whole lot of others that need to see what it looks like. If you can model it for me, if you can give me an example, if you can paint the picture, it's so much easier for them to run with it, to take off with it, to, to move in that direction. And this morning, I want you to see the power of a picture. The power of a picture, of a vision, of an example. And in the book of Daniel, we see bold faith. Daniel and all his people have been conquered and held in, uh, in captivity for a few years. Many of his fellow countrymen are not serving God, but he is. He's doing the best he can to walk it out, to, to live for God. And one day, the king who has conquered all the land, he's not a believer in God. In fact, he has his own gods and believes himself as a god. One day he wakes up from a horrible dream. He has this really, really, really bad dream. And he, and he says, well, I, I don't know what to do about this dream. And so he calls all the enchanters, the sorcerers, the magicians, the astrologers, the, all the wise men of the land, which included Daniel. And he says, I need you guys to come and I need you guys to interpret my dream. And if you don't, I'm going to kill you. You're all going to die, okay? I'm going to kill every single one of you. You don't interpret my dream. And so you might be thinking, well, that's so easy. All I got to do is say something encouraging to the guy. Right? That's all I got to do. I got to tell him something positive. I can do that, right? Oh, king, you had a rough, draw, uh, rough dream. Oh, man, you know what? Actually, what it means is you're going to be blessed and you're going to be the king forever, right? You've been thinking that, but that's not what the king did. 
See, what the king did said, listen, not only do I want you to interpret the dream, but I want you to tell me what my dream was. Sounds like an impossible situation. This is what's going on here. And here's Daniel. And, and with all the astrologers and enchanters and sorcerers and all these things, and here's D Daniel included because he's considered one of the wise men of the era. He's about to die himself, be thrown in this group because the king has said, I had a bad dream. And I want you to interpret it, but I want you, before you interpret it, I want you to tell me what it is. And I want you to see what happens here. I want you to see what, it, what happens here. In, in Daniel chapter 2, verses 17 through 18, it says this, Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, these are their original Hebrew names. Now, you might know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because these were those were their enslaved names, okay? And he says this in verse 18, He urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Now, this is huge. This is huge. We are about to see God come through in an impossible situation. Bold faith is taking place, right? And, and, and it might be something for you to admire and say, you know what, I'd really like that. I want to have faith like that. I want to believe God like that. Hashtag goals for me. I want to be closer to God. I want to have faith that moves mountains. I want to see God work in tangible ways in my life. I want to be close to Him. You see, in the next chapter, Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they go through something horrible. They go through something that's really difficult. They are told that if they don't worship this big old statue, if they don't fall down and worship it, then they're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. They're going to be burnt alive. And so what they do is they set up all this music and this music plays, and, and as soon as the music plays, thousands of people bow down and worship this God. And here comes these little three Hebrew boys who say, you know what, we ain't bowing down. They stick out like a sore thumb. They're just like standing up, and all these people are bowed down. I want you to see what the Bible says. The Bible says this in Daniel chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king, summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Is it true? Is it true that you won't bow down? You see everybody else doing it. You see everybody else going with the current culture. You see everybody else doing it. Why aren't you? And it's as if the king gives them a second chance, not a second chance to do the right thing, a second chance to do the wrong thing, to fall into what they don't belong in. The Bible says this in verse 15. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, and it lists all the instruments and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good, very good. If you're willing to bow down and worship, very good, he tells them. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? This is what's happening. What are these three young men going to do? Look how they respond in verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Hallelujah. 
But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, I love how they're so polite. They're always like, your majesty. But they're saying, listen, king, I'm going to put you on notice that I'm not about to bow down. My God is God, and he's got me. We see such bold faith. Now, just like I asked you, where does that come from in an 18-year-old? that says, I want to I, I wanna have a godly family. I want to marry a godly woman. I, I want to raise my kids. From, where does that come from in 18-year-old? Do you hear those type of conversations? It was because there was a picture. Where do you see these three young Hebrew boys tell the king, listen, king, I know you conquered everything you can possibly see. I know you're the man. I know you got it, your majesty, but listen, I ain't about to bow down to you. Where does that type of faith come from? See, that faith doesn't come from just anywhere. It doesn't just fall into their lap and, oh, man, they just, they're just a person of faith. They just, they just were born with great faith. Where does that type of faith come from? Where did they get it from? Where did they see it so they were able to run with it? You may have heard us say that you're the only Jesus people will ever see. See, where do you want to see others around you carry bold faith? Do you want to see the people around you grow in their faith? It's one thing to be at a place where you say, you know what, I'm working on me, me and God. We're great, we're good. I'm trying to grow in that. I'm trying to develop in that. But it's a whole other level, a whole other place of your life where you say, it matters to me whether their faith is rising. Their faith is growing. Their faith is developing. So there's three things that I want to share with you this morning about seeing the others around you begin to carry bold faith, beginning to step into it, beginning to see the next generation around you carry bold faith. The very first thing is this. Number one, make a choice to live in bold faith so there's a picture for others to follow. So there's a picture for others to follow. Listen, if there's a picture, we can do something with that. We can follow that. We can walk in that. See, what we do and how we do it affects the people around us more than we know. A lot of times we don't even think about what are they doing? What are they, are they even paying attention to what I'm doing? But they are. And see, one of the examples that you need to give everyone is that no one is perfect. And that's a good thing. The minute we go around and think the example that I need to give them is that I'm perfect, you're giving them the wrong example. You need to give them the example that you can fall down and you can get back up. That's the example that they need to see. They need to see that there's real, tangible mercy and grace of God. If, 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 if they have, you're trying to give them this example that you just walk just, and it's just perfect and it's great. Because the truth is sometimes words come out of your mouth that shouldn't be coming out of your mouth. Thoughts are happening in your head. There's things that you're doing, things that you're participating. And the greatest example, picture that you can give them is that when you do make a mistake, God's arms are open wide. I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to live there. Well, I did it, so I might as well just be in it. No, I'm going to get up out of it because God is good, because God is faithful. His mercy is over my life. His grace is over my life. And I need Jesus. The greatest example you can give is that you needed Jesus yesterday, you need Jesus today, and guess what? You're going to need Jesus tomorrow. I'm telling you, 
As your pastor, I need Jesus in my life. Daniel modeled this out. It was, it was easier for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to live it out because they watched Daniel do it. Whether you know it or not, people are watching you. They are making decisions, trying to figure out life. The truth is, you're sitting here this morning, everybody, we're all trying to figure out life. No, 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 not them. No, no. We're all trying to figure out life and trying to walk it out one step at a time. A lot of times we don't stop and think that the people around us are always or also trying to walk it out and figure it out. They're trying to figure it out. They're wondering what it's going to look like, how's it going to be, how's it going to feel, what's going to be the outcome, how's this, how's this going to affect me. They're, they're thinking about those things. But a lot of times they're making decisions based on how you handle things because you are painting the picture that they need to see. See, Jesus tells us this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He's in an awesome sermon in the Sermon on the Mountain towards the beginning of the sermon. He says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, if you don't let your light shine for others to see, how will they give glory to God? How will they know what it's supposed to look like? How will, how will they see how good and pleasant it is to serve God? How will they see that for themselves? What I'm saying is that this is largely on us. We need to walk it out. We need to be consistent. It can't be a sometimes thing. It can't be a Sunday thing. It needs to be something we, we, we walk out. And the best example we can give them is that when we, we fall, we can get right back up. The best example we can give them is, the, is being consistent in our everyday life. That's the vision that the next generation needs. That's the vision that our coworkers need, the vision that, that, that our classmates need. That's the vision that can be followed. And listen, I want to say this. This isn't just a message for older people to younger people. Young people, I want to talk to you for a moment. This is for you too. Because God wants to use your life, your picture, your life is a picture for others to follow. You know, Paul tells young Timothy, he tells him in 1 Timothy 4.12, he says, let no one despise you for your youth. Don't let anybody discourage you. You're young and you're following God. That's great. He says this, comma, but set the believers an example in speech. Young people, the words that come out of your mouth matter. Well, you know, it's cool. You know, we'd say we talk like this and this is how we do it. Or, you know, we, we cuss and we do it like this or we talk about these type of jokes. That, that's, not, that's not right. That's setting a picture that's not good for the young people around you. Because if you're saying it's cool and that's okay, then you're saying it's cool for them and it's okay to walk into that. And then, and then it says conduct, right? The decisions you make, the way you live your life, right? The actions you take. If you're saying it's okay for you, then it suddenly becomes okay for them. Or, or in love, the way that I'm kind with people, the way that I treat people, the way that I talk to people, that matters, or in faith, the way my faith is, the way that I trust God. What would it look in our schools across America if we walked in the faith that we believe when we come to church? Or in, or in purity. Young person, I don't know if you've made any mistakes and you've done something with your body that you shouldn't have done. But I want to tell you this, if you bring that before the Lord and you ask for His forgiveness, you are forgiven. And you are cleaned. You are cleansed from that. Walk in purity with God. 
honor Him with your body. Let the Lord's blessing, let that be an example, let that be a picture for others to follow, for each and every one of us. Listen, it is a joy to be a good influence on the people around you. It feels good to know that you are making a difference by being an example. And if you've ever set a bad example, you know how good it feels to be a good example. You know, when I was in high school, I was a senior. There was this young guy that liked to hang out with me. He was a sophomore. And I would like to bring him around. We'd hang out. We'd go places, meet people. And I remember on one particular evening, uh, I picked him up. I went and picked him up in the car. We drove off. We were going to go off to this party. It was on a Friday night. And at this particular party, there was a bunch of underage drinking going on. And so we, we rolled up to the party, and uh, we got there, and he didn't really know much about all this kind of stuff. And so I, I, I took him in, and I said, listen, this is how you do it. Listen, this is how you want to use this drink with this drink and, and, you know, and do this. And I, and I put it in his hands. I gave it to him. Well, that night it went to a place where we, next thing you know, I woke up, and we were both passed out on the front lawn. And from there, we were dealing with alcohol poisoning. And it got really, really bad. And I came to this place where I painted a picture and he ran with it and followed. I said it was okay. So he ran with it and followed it. He, I gave him the vision. I wrote it down. For, I made it plain. I said in my life, oh, no, no, don't, don't, don't do what I say. Don't do what I do. Come on, somebody. But because I painted the picture, I made it okay for them to, to run right in, to go ahead and do it. And, and, and he carried that on in his life. If you know what it's like to set a bad example, you know the power of setting a good one. Amen. Setting a good one. See, what do our actions tell those around us? What picture do we give them? The Apostle Paul, he tells the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says this, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, young brother, you're trying to figure it out, and I get that. I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to be the picture of what it looks like. Follow the picture, and then I'm going to let you run with it. You're going to run and follow Christ, but follow the picture of my life. See how I serve God. See how I love God. See how I love his people. See how I make certain decisions. Let me be the picture in your life. Follow the picture, and then you run with it yourself. This is what Paul is trying to communicate. That we would be this picture, that we would be, let's imitate him as he imitates Christ, as he follows Christ, that we would be this picture. We can do this. We can walk this out. We can be the picture that they need to put it all together. And it begins with a choice to live our life that way. Do you want to see others around you carry bold faith? Make a choice to live bold so there's a picture for others to follow. Number two, number two, secondly, invite others into bold faith by asking them to pray bold prayers with you. Invite them, invite others into bold faith by asking them to pray bold prayers with you. Now, maybe you've had somebody say to you, are you sure me? Like, you sure I'm a good fit for that? Are you sure you think I can do this? I believe that God's made this part of our ministry here at Mosaic. 
to see the God-given gifts inside of someone that they may not see in themselves, or they don't have the confidence to believe that they can do it. This has been part of our ministry here. There's been so many times where we talk with people and we invite people to be, upon, uh, be a part of teams, or, and, and they'll question, are you sure me? You think me? Do you know what I've been through? Do you know what I've endured? Do you know what I've faced? But we see the God-given gifts of what God is doing inside of you, and we want to help you get there. You know, this morning I was sharing, and I, I, you know, I was thinking about a couple of people, and I was thinking about Aaron and Paul Brown. Some of you may know them, may not. That's fine. But Aaron Brown, God is doing such a wonderful thing in him and helping develop his, his gifts to be able to communicate the Word of God. And, and, and he's in this process, and we're helping him get there. But I remember the conversations, are you sure me? Or thinking about his wife, who when my wife and I first got here to the church, we really needed some help with leading worship, and she stepped into a role in leading that season. And it was really, really good. We needed that to happen. But I remember the conversations where she was like, are you sure me? Or, or Moises Lopez, who is now our production manager, and he oversees so much. But I remember the conversations with him. I remember the beginning and so many others, so many others who are stepping in and doing certain things and they've said, are you sure me? Do you know what I've been through? Do you know my past? Yes, yes you. Yes you. You don't see it. But this is what I see through the lens of Christ. Yes you. So I invite others into bold faith by asking them to pray bold prayers. Daniel says this. Daniel does this. In Daniel chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, says this. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He tells them, listen, we're going to die, but this is, what's, this is what we're going to do. He says this in verse 18. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. The Bible says that he explained the matter to his friends and urged them to pray. He did not have to do that. He was already a man of God. He was walking with God. God answers his prayer. God, you look and you read the story. God, God would have answered him anyways. But what he does is he brings it to his friends. What was Daniel doing? See, he was inviting them into bold faith by asking them to pray a bold prayer. Listen, listen, I know that God is with you, and I know that God loves you, and I know that God will answer you, but there's great power when you share your need with others. You're helping to elevate their faith. You're helping them to grow and mature. Because listen, you can come and say, oh, God did it. But what does it look like if you're all jumping and you're all shouting because you watched God do a miracle in your life together? See, what you did is your faith elevated, and now you allowed their faith to elevate and to grow, and to mature, and to, and to develop, because you ask them to pray with you. See, so you're letting them know that there's power in their prayers when they believe, and joining together, my faith plus your faith equals God's provision, equals God's miracle. Your faith and my faith, and watch what God does. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. Jesus says, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. 
Sometimes we get caught up. We just pray for ourselves. Nobody even knows our journey. But there's power when you do it together. When we invite others into bold prayers and bold opportunities, we watch them step into bold faith for their own life. See, you were meant to shine. I want to communicate that to you today. You were meant to shine, but not for yourself, for God's glory and for their growth. Live, live bold and invite them into bold prayers. Do you want to see others around you carry bold faith? The third thing I want to share with you this morning is this, is allow them to share in the testimony and provision of God's faithfulness. Allow them to share in the testimony and provision of God's faithfulness. Now, can you say this with me? I'm going to count to three. And would you say this with me? Look at what God did. One, two, three. You got to be able to celebrate. God, God will do it. God's faithful. God's going to come through. But you got to come to the place where you're going to celebrate and not just by yourself, but look at what God did. And when God comes through, because he will come through and you invite others to share in the testimony, their faith will grow. There's nothing like watching God come through and sharing the blessing and saying, look at what God did. He did it, and he did it again. Come on, somebody. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate. And Daniel prayed, and he watched God came through. You see, after Daniel told the king his dream and then interpreted the dream, the king came to the place where he said, you know what, Daniel, your God is God. And I want the whole world to know. Your God is God. And he, he elevated Daniel and he blessed Daniel. The Bible says this, and I want you to see this. In Daniel chapter 2, verses 48 and 49. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all the wise men. Look what the king done did. But verse 49 is a game changer, and I need you to get this. He says, moreover... At Daniel's request, Daniel did not have to do this. God, God, look at Daniel just got elevated. He's the one that heard from God. He's the one that, in, that told the king his dream. He's the one that interpreted the dream. God did that. God and Daniel. God and Daniel. Daniel didn't need to do verse 49. This is this. Moreover, at Daniel's request... The king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Why did Daniel do that? Because these brothers believed and prayed to God with Daniel. They did it together. Daniel modeled bold faith. He said, this is what the picture looks like. This is what it looks like to follow God. And so when they were threatened to the fiery furnace, it was easy because they had a picture. They had something they can model after. Then Daniel invites them to pray bold prayers. Listen, 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 listen. I, I can do this. Me and God, we can do this. But together, God gets glory and your growth takes place. Your faith is elevated. Then he invites them to share in the blessing and the provision of God's testimony. It's so important. It's so important that we understand this. You know, at home, my wife and I, we just got done finishing this church long, wide fast, and it was amazing. It was, it, was, it was absolutely great. My wife and I, we fasted the whole month. But we had set on, we had decided that our kids, Arabella and Jonah, would fast the last week, and they would do the fast as well, but in their own way. 
and we gave them the three prayer points that we were praying. You know, we're, we're, we're praying for more of the tangible presence of God. We're, we're praying for these five names, not just our names, but we're praying for the church's five names. And, and then we're also praying for 95817. And we told them, and they were kind of like, ah, oh, fasting, I'm not sure. And they kind of complained. And then they, they said, okay, we're in. And they decided they were going to do it. Well, this last week, they finished their fast. They did it. Why did we do that? Because when we watch God come through, it won't just be me and my wife and us celebrating. Our kids are going to celebrate too. They're going to say, I invested in that. I fasted. I sacrificed. I prayed. Woo! And God did it. To see the next generation celebrate the goodness of God. To see the people in your life celebrate the goodness of God. It's, what is it going to do? It's going to elevate their faith. They're going to grow. They're going to come to a place. Hey, hey, I watched God do that. No one needs to despise me because I'm young. I can have faith too. And it's so amazing now for them to invite my wife and I into their prayers. They'll say, Mommy and Daddy, you know, there's this kid at school. Can we, can we, can we pray for them? And that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Listen, I want us to understand, I want us to get this. Listen, our life, we're painting a picture. So we want to see others around us carry bold faith. Listen, whatever mistakes we've made, whatever wrong things we've done, whatever words have come out of our mouth, whatever we participated in, whatever we've been lost in the world, listen, that's happened. But the greatest example you can give them is you getting back up because they need to know you're not perfect. They need to know that you need Jesus too. And then begin to walk it out. Be consistent. Be dedicated. Be focused. Do your best. Listen, a mistake might happen along the way. Get back up. Now worship God and give Him everything you have. That's the best example you can give them. Watch what God will do. As He matures you, those eyes are watching you. Their faith will grow. Maybe it's the next generation. Maybe it's family members. Maybe it's coworkers. Maybe it's loved ones. Maybe it's a neighbor across the street. Watch what God will do. So here's my challenge for us this morning. My challenge is this. What is your biggest need right now? Think about it. What is that, that number one need in your life? And whose faith can you help grow by inviting them to pray a bold prayer with you? the biggest need that you can possibly have. And so within the next two days, I'm challenging you, this is the challenge, I want you to hear me this morning. Within the next two days, would you figure out the words, think about how the conversation will go, think about what their ears can handle, think about where they're at in their life, and share. Maybe you don't tell them everything, but maybe you give them some serious details. And you say, listen, I'm praying for this. Would you pray with me? Would we believe together? Your faith plus my faith equals God's provision. Would you do that? In the next two days, work it out. Have the conversation. 